Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Thank you so much, Pastor Diana. And good morning, church. Oh, come on, good morning, church. It is so good to be back here in the house of the Lord, right? And you know something, because uh, there are so many of you here, um, let's do this one more time. Let's welcome each other. But let's do this in a very Singapore way. Can we do that, Ken? Right, so can you turn to the person beside you on your left and your right, look at them, give them your biggest smile and, and say, wow, finally you come back. Ah. <laughs> well, like, finally you come back ah, today. <laughs> Singaporean, okay? In a very Singapore, English way and everything else. Okay, <laughs> praise God. Are we happy to be back here? Yes? Great to be back in the house of God. And I'm so glad to be able to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Um, you know, church, as part Pastor Dinah shared with us, two weeks ago, uh, we started on our new puppet series called Heaven's Powers, Our Calling. Um, and today, um, as I end off this whole series, I want to share a heartfelt message with all of you. And a message which I feel that is, in the, that is found in the very heart of God. Um, and this morning, what I want to do is I want to share on a message titled, The Tears of God. And River Life, have we ever been found in a place where we have been drenched by the very tears of God, the tears of heaven? Um, this message was first birthed in my heart, in my spirit, um, much earlier this year, somewhere in February itself, when I was walking with God at night, uh, because I pray at night, right? Yep, so um, I was walking with God at night, I was praying, and I felt God lead me to a certain prayer. Um, I saw a picture, or you could call it quite a vision, um, and I saw Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. And at that garden itself, you know, Jesus was kneeling down, he was crying, he was wrestling with God, he was praying, he was in great anguish and pain. There was such a sorrow that was just, um, you know, just rising up from his voice towards the heavens and there was tears rolling down his cheeks. I was pretty far away from Jesus and of course the disciples were sleeping, we know from the Bible, right? Yeah, but, and, 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 and as I was seeing Jesus crying and crying, and wrestling before the Father as he was, um, um, you know, just, just calling out uh, before God. Suddenly, a deep desire began to resonate within me. And I wanted to pray like Jesus. I mean, I wanted to feel his agony. I wanted to know what the tears that were rolling down his cheeks were for. And all I wanted to do at that very moment when I was walking with God that night, as he showed me the vision um, of Jesus in the, in the garden, all I wanted to do was to touch and to receive the very tears of God, of Jesus. And then I began to pray this prayer. And I said, God, how I envy the ground and the grass that would receive the very tears of Jesus, the very tears of heaven. Because Jesus, you wept for a friend called Lazarus. You wept for a city called uh, Jerusalem. And you wept at the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want to be like the ground and the grass that would be drenched by the tears of heaven, the very tears of God. So this morning, church and real life, I want to share about the tears of God. And I know that God is planting us, real life, in a place where we will be drenched by the tears of heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, so if you're ready, can we just close our eyes and let's pray for a short while. Let's do that. Father, today we want to thank you. Lord, we thank you that we have returned home. We have come home as a church family. Lord, I thank you that you're moving among us and how your presence is felt so strongly here in Real Life Church as we worship together, as we host the very presence of God. So today I pray, Lord, as we, um, as we sit 
um, at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we gaze into your very heart, Lord, I pray that you place us in a place that we will be drenched by the very tears of Jesus. We will, we will be drenched by the tears of God today. So Father, bring us to the place of surrender. Bring us to a place where we will hear the very voice of God speak right straight into our hearts. Today, we thank you. We bless you, God. And all this, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Praise God. You know, church, at the very onset of this message, I want you to know that we serve a weeping, grieving God. I mean, God grieves more than we can ever imagine. In fact, if you, and may, uh, maybe you, you may not believe this, God outweeps His people. I mean, God laments. He grieves for the pain, the suffering, the loss and the injustice in this world. And he still grieves today. Um, Skip Hingzik would say this, that if you are ever tempted to think that God doesn't care about your sorrow and your suffering, you do not know the God I know. So let's look at two portions of Scripture first as we look into a heartbroken, weeping God. And I pray that this message will cause us to desire for the very heart of God. This message will cause us to desire to be drenched, to, to receive the very tears of Jesus as we live our Christian life here on earth. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. And he wrote that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions, look at this, with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Rev life, the Greek words for fervent cries indicate or show a cry that is birthed out of pain and anguish. I mean, it is a cry that is not released by choice, but it is a cry that is wrung out or put out of a person because of the state of pain and anguish that a person is in. I mean, church, have we ever cried that way before? Have you ever witnessed someone crying that way? Perhaps if we have lost a loved one, a parent that lost a child, or you know, a husband that lost a wife, you know, Maybe we would, have, we, we would cry this way. But this was a man, the darling of heaven, the son of the living God. And Hebrews chapter 5 records for us that Jesus' time on earth was filled with fervent cries and tears that was birthed out of pure pain and anguish. And in Isaiah chapter 53, we understand of this pain a little deeper as well. So let's look at Isaiah 53 verse 3. And it says that, you know, Jesus was despised, rejected by men. Look at this. A man of sorrow, acquainted or familiar, familiar with grief. I mean, come on, church. Here, Jesus was a man, the son of the living God. And he was not identified for his all-conquering powers and miracles. He was not identified for his manifold wisdom and revelation, the revelation from heaven. He, but he was a man that was identified for his sorrows, his grief, his pain, and his painful cries. And you got to really wonder why that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were absolutely no records of any laughter of Jesus Christ. There were only the records of His pain, His suffering, His grief, and His sorrows. So, but why was Jesus weeping? What was Jesus weeping for? And what would cause such grief and pain to burn in our Savior's hearts? You know, in the Gospels, 
there were three occasions that were recorded for us that Jesus wept or Jesus cried. The first was at the tomb when he cried for a friend named Lazarus. The second was he cried and wept for the city of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19. The third, he wept at the Garden of Gethsemane. So just for a little while, let's hop into the Garden of Gethsemane right now and um, just, just to explore what happened over there. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, we read that Jesus was in pure agony, I mean pure pain. And I described for you earlier on in my vision as what I saw. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39 to 44, let me read this for you. And Luke writes that Jesus went out as usual um, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Is anyone praying today, church? Verse 41, it says, he redrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. What, what would you do if, Sonny, as you prayed and an angel comes before you and to strengthen you? What would you do, right? And verse 44, the last verse here, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood that, fall, that fell to the ground. Church, if we could only take time to stop you know, just to reflect, to picture the agony and the prayers of Jesus here. I mean, the entire weight of the whole world was now upon this man called Jesus Christ. The brokenness and utter distress of having to bear the weight and the sin of all mankind. On top of that, all hell started to break loose and the kingdom of darkness was unleashed upon our Saviour, Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press. It was the place where the fruits or olives were being crushed or pressed. And that is how you get olive oil. And here, Jesus is now in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in the Garden of Crushing. He was in the Garden of Pressing. To the point where sweat like drops of blood begins to fall to the ground. And it was also a place which I believe that, um, that sorrows and anguish and tears fill our Saviour's eyes. No wonder Hebrews chapter 5 speaks about how Jesus offered up prayers and petitions that were filled with tears and loud cries. So a very, quick, um, a very quick lesson for us here before we move on is, you know, the garden was a place of great agony and pain. But the garden is also a place of great prayer and intercession. Somebody say amen. Come on, amen. The garden is a place of great intercession and prayer. Friends, with life, do you find yourself in a garden today? Do you find yourself that you're in a garden of pressing? You are in a garden of crushing. You are in that garden of stress, of sorrows, of anguish, of pressure. You know, perhaps you feel that God has brought you into a garden today, a garden of pain and anguish. If you feel that you are in that garden, you know, church, I want to tell you that this is not the time to blame somebody else, right? This is not the time to criticize. This is not the time to give, all, to give up all hope, you know, and just let things go. But this is the time to start praying. Somebody say amen. This is the time to start worshiping. This is the time to raise the intercessions and let it rise to the heavens today. So this was the garden. And we see Jesus agonizing at the garden of Gethsemane. 
Now let's travel for a little while to the moment where Jesus wept for the city called Jerusalem. Now it's just four verses here, church, with life. Four verses, but I feel that as, as a church, we do not dwell that, we have not dwelt that deeply in these four verses. We have not thought about it, considered it deeply enough on how our Lord Jesus wept and was in total anguish for the city called Jerusalem. So let me read this for you in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And Luke writes once again, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within the walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Look at this. Because you did not recognize the coming, the time of God's coming to you. Verse 41. Let me read verse 41 again. And Luke writes that as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I mean, Revelifers, these are simple words, right? Really simple words. Twelve words in verse 41. But I want you to know that the way that Jesus wept for a friend named Lazarus when Lazarus died in John chapter 11, there is a major difference in the way that he wept in John 11 and the way that he wept for the city called Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19. The way that Jesus wept for his friend Lazarus in John chapter 11, uh, the Greek word used there was to shed a tear with gentle emotions involved. It's like, you know, you watch Korean movies or like, right? Yes? <laughs> Correct? But in Luke chapter 19, what we see here, Luke uses a far stronger word to describe the way that Jesus would cry. And the meaning, you know, the meaning of weeping in Luke chapter 19 was to sob bitterly, was to sob uncontrollably. Pastor John MacArthur would say this, that Jesus' body was moving in agonized impulse of gripping sorrow, the strongest possible word for grief in the Greek language. So if you can picture this with me, church, that Jesus was walking um, at the side of the road and he stopped as he overlooked Jerusalem. And as he saw Jerusalem, he starts to collapse and fall to the ground. I mean, he did not just slowly kneel down like what we did just now. He dropped to the ground and he started to cry. He wept over Jerusalem in that agonized impulse of gripping sorrow. No wonder in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted, familiar with grief. And that was Jesus that was just crying, weeping away for that very city. And I mean, those around Jesus, the disciples were there. Um, people were, were, were just with Him and they were having a good time, right? Um, they were having fellowship. They were eating their fruits, their bread. And suddenly this Jesus drops to the ground and starts to cry. What would the disciples do? Will any words console their master? When would Jesus stop crying? No one knew. Because Jesus was weeping uncontrollably for the city called Jerusalem. And Revelifers, here I am asking myself, Jesus, why are you weeping? 
Is there anyone who knows your tears? Is there anyone who can carry the very tears of Jesus? Is there anyone who can carry the very heart of our Saviour? How privileged is the ground and the grass that will receive the very tears of Jesus today? Why did Jesus weep? Jesus wept for those who had rejected Him, for those who did not recognize Him. And today, do you think that Jesus has stopped weeping for those who would, who would reject the gospel in our lifetime? Today, He still weeps for those who reject the gospel, who, who refuse to recognize Him as Lord and Savior. Jesus wept for the agony of a fallen world. Jesus wept for the judgment that was to come on the city of Jerusalem. And with life first, it happened. It happened in AD 70, where the city of Jerusalem was attacked and tens of thousands of Jews were killed or they were starved to death. And after the Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they went through the whole land of Israel and they destroyed towns after towns, cities after cities, villages after villages. A total of 985 towns and villages were destroyed at that very year. Those who lived in those towns were killed, were murdered, slaughtered, or they starved to death. And friends, River Lifers, as we see what is happening in the world today, over the last two years, and the most recent one with Ukraine and Russia, do you think that Jesus has stopped weeping? When will we, when will we ever learn, church, that God desires His church, His beloved bride, to be drenched by the tears of God? that we may carry His heart, that we may carry the very tears of heaven into a broken world today. So what I want to do is I want to end this message not so soon, okay? Uh, lunch is not so soon. Uh, okay. <laughs> 15, 20 minutes time. Can, can I? Okay. But what I want to do is to end this message with three heartfelt questions that I feel Jesus is asking His church today. His church called River Life. Are you ready? Number one, the first heartfelt question which I believe Jesus is asking His church, have we positioned ourselves to be drenched by the tears of God? To be drenched by the tears of heaven? I mean, River Life, do we feel His tears today? Do we sense His heart and His pulse? We talk about heaven's pulse, our calling. Do we even sense His pulse today? I mean, church, are we close enough to Jesus to sense His heart, His suffering, His pain, and His very tears today? Or are we still asking for blessings from heaven? Are we still thinking about ourselves and being captivated by what would captivate our very hearts? I mean, as we look at the devastation and the loss of life in Ukraine, not only that, but we talk about the crisis and the killings in Myanmar, which, by the way, I shared with you last week, it is still ongoing, that thousands of villages burned to the ground, Hundreds and thousands of uh, Burmese becoming homeless refugees in their very own homeland. Nobody talks about the rats that they are eating or the muddied water that they are drinking as well. Nobody talks about the heartbroken parents who saw their kids being burned alive as their village, as their homes burned to the ground. And we look at extreme hunger and poverty in India. No one talks about the parents who have to sell off everything just so that they can have something to eat. No one talks about the women that are being forced into prostitution because of the crisis that is happening right now to them. 
and ultimately the injustice of a dying world, not recognizing the savior of the world today. Do any of these things break us? Come on, church, do any of these things break us? Or are we too callous or too numb to the events of this world to even care? And I sense, church, I sense that God wants His church to learn how to cry again. Because I believe that, you know, we have laughed much, but have we cried much? And I believe that God wants to teach us how to cry for the pain and the suffering of the world again. You know why? Look, let's look at this. A weeping God demands a weeping people. A weeping God demands a weeping people. Charles Spurgeon once said this, that it seems to me that the more I long for the coming of Christ, the more I long to see His kingdom extended. Now look at this. The more I shall weep when things go wrong, when I see Christ blaspheme, when His cross trample and the devil's kingdom established. Where is the weeping church today? Where is the grieving church? Because a weeping God demands a weeping people. So that is the first heartfelt question I believe God has for His church called Real Life today. But there is a second heartfelt question I believe that God wants to ask all, every one of us here. Number two, have we found, River Life, have you found your calling yet? We find our calling when we find the tears of Jesus. When we find ourselves being drenched in the very tears of heaven, the very tears of God, we, that is where you have found the very call of God in your life. That, I mean, that was what happened to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah heard the voice calling, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I mean, this man Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, felt the longing in the voice. Isaiah stood at the very place where he was drenched by the very tears of heaven. He was drenched by heaven's heart. And that was where he found his very calling. Nehemiah was living a comfortable life in a palace when he heard a news report from CNN. Uh, BBC, you know, CNA or ABC, all right? And he heard a news report that the walls of his city of Jerusalem was being utterly destroyed. There, Nehemiah felt heaven's pulse. He felt heaven's tears and he felt the very call of heaven. That very day, that place, he was soaked with the tears of heaven and that was the time that he found his very calling and soon after he found himself at the very heart of the rubbles picking up stone after stone rocks after rocks motivating people inspiring people to rebuild the very city of God called Jerusalem so church have you found your calling today we find our calling when we find the tears of Jesus true miracles occur happens when the tears of God meet surrendered lives. Amen? How do we change the world? Change happens when we, the church, walk into the dark places of this world. And with lifers, that was what happened last year. 
Because last year, our 10 Missions for Home teams went out with the, with the desire to be drenched by heaven's tears. Obviously, um, last year, we didn't have the language for this. Um, yeah, but we walked by revelation, right? So, but we, there was a desire to be drenched by heaven's tears. And I knew in my heart that we must not and we must never be afraid of the pain um, and of the suffering of this world. We cannot distance ourselves from that. But we must meet the critical needs as much as we can. Now, um, I remember that I shared... Uh, this story with you slightly less than six, no, one year ago. Um, I think it was in July, somewhere in July last year, uh, where I shared this story, this really heartbreaking story about a 14-year-old Indian girl that was sold away to a 60-year-old man because her family had absolutely nothing left to eat and they had to survive through the pandemic crisis. This Indian family, they were living in extreme poverty. They have often gone days without food, they have often gone prolonged months without much to eat. And they eventually had no choice but to sell away their precious 14-year-old girl. I was preaching in Meg Life here um, yesterday and, you know, with, with the Meg Life um, congregation. And I asked them, how many of you, you are 13, 14, 15 years old? Can you raise up your hands? And there were quite a few that raised up your hands. And I said, can you imagine being sold away by your parents because you got absolutely nothing left to eat? They sold away their 14-year-old girl to a 60-year-old man for 60,000 rupees. How much is 60,000 rupees? If we were to convert it to Sing dollars, it is 1,100 Singapore dollars. I mean, a life, a destiny, a precious life sold away for 1,000 Singapore dollars. What can we get here in Singapore for 1,100 dollars? An iPhone? an iPad, or maybe perhaps a nice vacation for our family. But this $1,000 cost this girl her destiny. And church, I believe that that story, which I shared last year, um, somewhere in July, struck us so deeply as a church. And I believe that as a church, we were drenched by the very tears of God for that little girl, right? We were drenched by her story. We were drenched by the pain and the suffering that was happening in the world. And at, at that very moment, together with the Missions from Home team leaders, for example, um, like Stephen Wee, uh, if Percy's you're here as well, uh, we came together with the Missions Department and we discussed about this. And we designated a special fund that will provide 100 families living in extreme poverty in India. There, um, these families um, have gone many days without food or they've gone you know, a prolonged time with very little to eat and they are in danger of committing suicide as a family or selling away their children or have wives or um, girls who are, very, who are so close to being sold away uh, or forced into prostitution. And we designated a special fund of $60,000 to provide for these 100 families. And God willing, we were not hear of a tragic story like this. Amen? Come on, church. We go where the tears are found. I mean, we go where the tears are found. And in November 2021, last year, um, so I think it was in the middle of November, if not the later part of November, I received a call this time from our Burmese pastor. And he called me, he had a worried tone in his voice and he, he called and he said, Pastor, do you remember the place that, um, that your team, River Life, has always ministered in um, to the street beggars and the homeless? 
um, yeah, because there's this church, the most majority of their members are all street beggars and, uh, and they're homeless. And actually, it's, it's really cute because they'll come to church on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, they'll go for service, they'll worship God, but because they are street beggars, right? Um, after service, the church will distribute out one packet of Maggi noodles to them. Uh, just to, you know, so that to offset their time that they've got to go out to find food, find donations from the public. And he told me, Pastor, the very church and the street beggars and the homeless within that church, the authorities have come, the military have come, and they have started to destroy all the slums and the squatters they are living in. Even the makeshift tents they are living in, they have destroyed it completely. And they, and they have been given 48 hours to leave that place, to leave to another town. I mean, church, can you imagine the homeless children can you imagine, if you're a parent there, can you imagine the despair of having to, you know, you, you already do not have a house and now whatever you have made is being destroyed and you could leave the town in 48 hours. I mean, will the very heart of Jesus, will the heart of Jesus break for these families? So we talk over the phone and we talk with the Missions for Home Myanmar team and within two months, I mean, within two months, we built brand new homes for 18 homeless families. Come on, can we give for a big hand? We built, we built 18 homes for 18 homes for 18 homeless families. And I mean, man, this, as I begin to find out more from them, these families are huge. This is about, you know, all together, all together, 18 families, oh, quite small. All together, they had about 150 to 180 of them in total. You, you guys do the math, all right? But imagine having a safe home for the first time in your life. All, the, all this while you're, you're living in, in an area where there's crimes, where there's prostitution, where there's stealing going on, and you do not even have a home, proper home, to stay in. But it took a crisis like this, where we felt the tears of Jesus, where we felt the broken heart of Jesus for these families, and we said, let's do something about it. And 18 families could walk into brand new homes to live in, a home that they can call their own. Church, we go where the tears are found. And, you, and, you, and do you know something? Last year, just last year alone, when the whole world was in crisis, when the whole world was suffering, River Life, you provided more than, uh, you, you, you provided for more than 1,800 families living in extreme poverty. Amen? You provided for them. If we do the math, 1,008 families times five, just five, okay, in, in total. There's about 9,000 to 10,000 people the poor that you gave towards last year. Many of these families were living in poverty, extreme poverty. They lost their jobs or they had loved ones, the sole breadwinners that passed on because of COVID, because of the COVID virus or any other disease around and they were left to fend for themselves. But you gave and you provided these families with some food to eat. So what I would like to do here is let us watch a quick video, a short video. And this video talks about how River Lifers from all walks of life last year came together to serve, to catch the heart of God and to be drenched by the very tears of Jesus. And this video also talks about how the Sarangani Missions of Home team navigated through this crisis and how it spoke to Eva's life. So let's look at this video right now. As a church, 
God has called us to be salt and light, to look beyond our shores. As such, we have been adopting and sowing into nations, seeing fruit as we co-labour with Christ. However, this flame was almost blown out two years ago when COVID threatened our ability to travel and overseas mission work had to come to a standstill. Or so we thought. What do missions look like when we can't travel? It looks like hope. People who would do anything to bring just a glimmer to those who have lost everything to the pandemic. Time and effort spent baking goods, organising flea markets and even selling durians to support those without the means to do so. Through tireless days and nights, we count it worthwhile to be able to wash the feet of the least of us. It looks like faith. Enduring hours of unstable connections and Zoom calls, simply to encourage our brothers and sisters from other nations. Trusting Jesus to be in our prayers and conversations despite not being physically together. It looks like love. A love that cares for the well-being of others. A love that perseveres through the toughest of times. A love that goes beyond activities and projects. Missions is a lifestyle, an invitation for us to live lives marked by love. Jesus exemplified this, ultimately giving his life for us to know the Father. The question now is, would we do the same? Hi Eva, it's nice to finally meet you in person once again. Uh, I heard that you're one of the many Filipinos who have been supporting and raising funds for MFH Sarangani. I wonder, how has your journey of giving been? I do remember, David, that uh, Pastora told us about the mission. Uh, if we can give, me personally, I uh, pledge the amount of $10. When I receive my salary, I give to Pastora the amount of $100. During the pandemic, it's really difficult to give, especially I have finances uh, difficulties. But I choose to give because that's conviction uh, to me is to give. I know how the feeling of nothing to eat at all. So I give it uh, this amount so that it can help to buy food for the children and children really close to my heart and to those uh, poor people. Thank you, Eva, for sharing. I think that was very inspiring to hear about your conviction and your journey of giving. Uh, a lot of people must have been very inspired by your journey and have equally been uh, giving. Yes, praise God. How is the project in Sarangani, David? Yeah, we are very excited right now because uh, the dormitory that we are building is already 50% done. Uh, just to give some context, what happened last year for MFH Sarangani is about 15 of us, uh, River Lifers, came together. We were tasked to uh, build a dormitory for secondary school students, uh, the issue that they had was that uh, they had no secondary school in the mountain ranges and for them to be able to go to school is uh, four hours of a hike every single day. So it was almost impossible for them to travel such a long distance to go to school and because of that many of them didn't have access to school. Uh, River Life has always been uh, working on this Sarangani mountain so it was important for us to be able to support uh, the young people as well because they are the next generation. So we are very thankful that the church was coming together to support all the different MFH and, and Sarangani in one of them we see that the local people were very happy and very thankful uh, that they had the daily necessities, the rice and uh, the needs that were that, that they required to be met. 
that manner. So I'll also like to share with you some of the photos of how the dormitory is looking like right now. As you can see, the foundations of the, the school is already uh, laid and also the walls are wow. laid up. So we're very excited. Uh, now what's left is the roof and also all the other interior design and furnishing. How has this NFH project in Sarangani been for you? When River Life first did the call for missions from home, I found it very interesting. I was thinking, how will we be doing missions now that travel has been disrupted? But missions still have to go on. After I decided to sign up, I joined MFH Sarangani and I found that it was such a rewarding experience because we could regularly connect with the local pastors uh, through Zoom. We would ask them how they're doing, we would be able to hear their needs, uh, they would explain to us about their situation on the ground and that really touched our hearts and we responded by praying for them, by journeying alongside them and I think many of them are also very heartened about them uh, having so much more support these days. So because of this, I'm very heartened and so we can definitely still continue to do missions in this manner. So Eva, what will you be doing for MFH this year? As of now, David, uh, we the ladies, we agreed to contribute $5 more to support one pastor in Sarangani. I'm happy to give it's just because we know that giving is a form of worship to God because we have a generous God. Amen. Can we, praise God. Can we give God a big hand? Amen. Praise God. And you know what, church? I just want to say thank you so much uh, for giving for, to Missions of Home. Amen. Can you just turn to a person beside you and say thank you so much for giving? Thank you so much for serving? Because I know that uh, many of you, you gave, okay? Yeah, and um, even if yeah, you, you gave and um, some of you put on weight as well by eating too much snacks and the cakes and you know, stuff like that, okay? No, but yeah, but so thank you so much for giving to Missions. And can I tell, you know, can I just say this to you, Rev Life, that um, you would not know how much you have blessed the nations last year. I mean, you would not know the impact and the blessings because of all that you gave for all the missions of home people here that have served so hard for one year. You would not know how much impact you did out there in the nations. Church, my mission strategy has been really simple. Um, yeah, uh, and my missions board, the missions committee, they, they know about it. And I know that um, people are looking for more uh, complicated or complex strategies, um, plans that would wow board meetings, but we've kept things simple. And my strategy has been really simple since we took on this mission's role about close to 10 years now. And the strategy is this. We go where the tears are. We go where the tears are found. And if we pray hard enough, if we pray long enough, if we seek the face of God hard enough, we will find the very tears of God. And when the tears of heaven meets willing and surrendered lives, that is where the true miracles and change will be found. Why would we simply, I mean church, why would we want to be in Macedonia or in Ephesus or even in Nineveh when Jesus is crying, He is weeping uncontrollably for Jerusalem today. We go where the tears are found. Rev life, have you found your calling today? And there is a third heartfelt question which I believe Jesus is asking the church called River Life. The question that Jesus has for us today is, what will you, what will you do with the tears of God.
what will you do with heaven's tears? Because we can receive the tears of heaven today. And over probably the next couple of weeks, as we seek the face of God, we can receive the very tears of God. But what will you do with these precious tears? As it drips into your hands, will you allow it to just let it go? Or are you, are you going to say, Jesus, I am going to hold on tightly to this. I am go, I'm going to hold on to the very tears of my Saviour. And I am going to take these tears back to my school. I am going to take these tears back to my workplace. I am going to take these tears back to my family, back to the nations where I can carry those tears into a broken world once again. What will we do with the very tears of Jesus? So I know that we have our communion um, elements here. But what I want us to do is, can we all begin to rise to our feet? There's a couple more segments to go, but you know, I, I, I feel that these moments are, are so important as we come before God. And I'm going to ask Sam and his worship team to lead us in one song. But what I want us to do is, okay, can you just begin to open up the brand right now? You know, and just begin to hold the wafer and the cup. And I want us to start to lift those elements before God. As we come back once again, as we come back once again to the Garden of Gethsemane, where I first started my message, where I felt like that this, this message was really birthed when, when I prayed and God showed me the picture of how Jesus wept and was in anguish at the Garden of Gethsemane. And today, this is the moment that Jesus, that Jesus, you know, He had to decide, am I going to go through this? Or am I going to say, God, take this away from me, take this cup away. But He came to this very moment and He wept before the Father. He cried for a sinful world with the weight of the world, the entire weight of sin upon Him with all hell unleashed before the Saviour. He cried and said, God, let your will be done. And today, as we come before Him, as we worship together as a River Life family, I'm going to ask that you're going to, can, can we begin pray and ask God, give me your tears once again the very tears of heaven, the tears of God. Let it fall on me. Let it fall upon this church again. So let us spell prayer. Let us spell cry as we worship together. Thank you, Lord. And if you're calling me, I will answer. If you're bidding me to come, I will come. And if you're leading me into deep water, May I not refuse Sing if you're calling me If you're calling me I will answer If you're bidding me to come I will come If you're leading me Into deep waters May I
I pray come on church let's take this couple of moments can you ask God God will you drench me with the very tears of God will you drench me with the very tears of heaven today come on church let's open up our hearts before Him right now and say you know this is not even a missions call this is not even a, a, a call to, to mobilize you to do things but it is coming before the Lord and say God God how I long for the tears for the tears Lord will you take me closer to Jesus that the very tears of Jesus will drench, will drench, us, will drench us as a church. Let your tears fall upon us, O oh God, today. Father, let your tears fall upon us, we pray. As we partake of this communion, God, Lord, we are saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for surrendering your life, for giving your life for us. And today we come before you and we pray, God, give us your tears. And I pray that we will be good stewards of the very tears of God. So church, let's hold a breath together. In Corinthians chapter 11, it says that, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said that this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take off the bread together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's take off the cup together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. So fill our hearts today, God. Fill our lives today. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Church, can you 
just in your own way, in your own way right now, can you whisper a prayer to God? We love you, God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God out of praise? Shall we? Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, church, I know that it's getting late um, and I told the team right straight before I preach, 10.45. I'm going to say the last amen at 10.45. Okay, I got four minutes for this. What can we do to, because this is at the end of the day, a missions message too. What can we do to reach the nations in 2022? All right. There are just a few ways. Number one, um, and of course, if you're really interested, you can go and find out more. The first one, sign up for Missions from Home 2022. All right, this year we have five countries that you can sign up for. And um, people will ask me, what is the main difference between um, signing up last year and this year? Last year we raised a lot of donations for the countries and it was rightly so because the different countries, they were suffering. But this year, what we want to do is to focus on cross-cultural exchange. So there's going to be a lot of Zoom sessions, a lot of, you know, just catching up with uh, praying for uh, the pastors, praying for the locals, praying for the villagers on the ground. And that's what we are going to do this year. And we also want to be positioned in a place where we will be drenched by heaven's tears. Amen. So that's the first way. That, um, and, and if you want to sign up, you can sign up through the website or go to our missions booth. Because we saw that so many of you, you were hanging out at the missions, uh, you know, at the atrium last week. We made a makeshift missions booth, so it's downstairs right now. Find out all the things that you want to ask, go to the missions booth and just talk to someone. There's a lot of volunteers there today. Second way, it is to sponsor or to partner a pastor. We want to thank God that um, the 16 students um, that we asked for sponsorship has been taken up. Um, yeah, so we thank God for that. Come on, can we give God a praise offering, all right? Praise God that the 16 students that you saw from the video, they have been sponsored, so we praise God. Now, there is another 14 pastors that are yet to be sponsored. They are crying out, please, please, partner with me. And most of them are from India, alright? Yeah, so if you have a heart for India or for the Philippines, go and sign up and partner with a pastor. Um, yeah, and, and more details will be rolled out for you. Amen. Now, last but not least is to give to missions. This year, our missions target is 900,000. And I shared with you last week that the reason why it's so high is because we feel that there's such a great burden and responsibility for the nations. Amen. And we, you, you guys saw how you gave. You, last year, we collected $1.1 million and, we, and you guys gave to the nations. And, and we carried different countries. We carried the villagers, the families, to, to, to at least, you know, they, they didn't have to suffer so much. And this year, let us continue to give to the Lord as well. Um, the mission's target is 900,000. Um, and most of what we give will go for the relief efforts. It will go towards rebuilding as COVID eases off. And it will go towards church planting and the equipping of pastors as we seek to build up the local church again. Amen. So you can give digitally, either pay now or via um, bank transfer. The links are shown there. You can give this week or any other week as well. Hop onto our website. It's all there. So sign up for missions from home. Give to missions and support a pastor. Amen. All right. I did it. Okay. See, can we all begin to lift up our hands towards God? Yeah, and let's receive the Lord's blessings. And right now, may the amazing love of our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet fellowship and power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Amen. Praise God. Go have a great Sunday ahead of you. 
Come back again next Sunday and let's fill up this place in both the first and second service. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.